Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation, so sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. and welcome. We are, I'm Lisa Woolfork, your host of the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. And I'm talking today with you about an occasional series that we've had on marking tools. Today's topic is chalk. But before we jump into that, let me share with you some of the episodes we've already given on this topic of marking tools. Marking tools are really important for those of us who have a lot of experience with garment sewing. You know that it's absolutely essential to transfer those markings from the pattern to your fabric. And once you put those markings on, you want to make sure there's a way to get them off. So I've done a few episodes on marking tools that you can refer to. So um, for those of you who are taking notes, you don't even have to worry about it because I have included this in the show notes. But if you're listening to the podcast on a medium that does not give you access to the show notes, let me go ahead and tell you what they are. So episode 19 of the Stitch Please podcast is a marking tools episode that focused on Frixion pens. There's lots of different Frixion pens. There's markers, there's highlighters, there is um, there are stamps, and all of these marks remove with friction. That's why they're called Frixion, because the friction of the special eraser that gets included with the Frixion pens, you can rub it on the mark and it'll come off. That's how it works on paper. But on fabric, it works with, they are removed very quickly with heat. There's some consequences to that. Sometimes it leaves ghosting. Sometimes it doesn't come off all the way. Um, I've not had the experience of marks returning with Frixion, though many people have. So always test. That is always the answer to the, the, the problem is to test how you put something on and how you take it off. So that's episode 19. Then 10 episodes later in episode 29, um, I did an episode on wax and wheels as a form of marking tools. And this was using transfer paper. It was using um, very um, hard tipped tracing wheels in order to leave small perforations in your fabric. Again, always testing to make sure that whatever you put in, you can take out or whatever you put on, you can take off. So today's episode is no exception and it's a continuation of that larger conversation about marking tools. And today we are talking all about chalk. There are so many ways that you can use chalk in your sewing and that is today's topic. So we're going to jump right in. There are three distinct areas that one can use chalk in their sewing. The first one, I believe, and this is not an order of importance or of use, but for me, I I see that chalk is useful for apparel sewing, it's useful for craft sewing, and it is useful for quilting. And I believe it's important to think carefully about what you are going to use the chalk for. Think about what the outcome you are hoping to produce is. Do you 
want to put something that you can put on your fabric and take off right away? Do you want to use it for top stitching as a guideline for quilting? Um, we can see this as being really helpful for helping to start the tracing of a particular quilt pattern or quilt design when you're doing the actual quilting of your quilt sandwich. So these are lots of different there's lots of different ways quilt that, that chalk has a lot of utility. So I'm going to go ahead and begin with apparel sewing. How does one use chalk in their apparel sewing? So I'm going to kind of begin at the end because one of the ways that I tend to enjoy using chalk and have had experience using it is the hem marker. Now, I'm not sure how familiar you might be with the hem marker, but I'm going to tell you about it. So if you are wearing, if you are making a skirt, and you are, you know, sewing by yourself, you don't have someone who can measure you or measure your hem, there is a tool that you can get. Lots of different companies make them and they're called a hem marker. It is a, it looks like a yardstick that's standing almost perpendicular to the ground. It has um, three little feet, like three little legs that it stands on. And what you do is, it also has this little pump, this, almost like a blood pressure cuff. You know, those, um, the bulb that you squeeze, that they squeeze at the doctor's office when they're taking your blood pressure, you squeeze it and air travels through the tube into the blood pressure monitor. This is similar. This is similar to how the hem marker works. But instead of pumping the air to measure your blood pressure, obviously, this pumps air into a little tank that then squeezes out a little poof of chalk. So this, what this teaches us is that you can, when you're working with chalk, you can work with it in solid forms, like a chalk pencil or a, a chalk, you know, pen, or you can work with it in its powdered form. So I want to begin talking about using it in its powdered form. And so the way that it works is you load your, it's a little small bit of powder that you load into the hem marker and your job is to stand there holding the the chalk bulb, the, the 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 squeezing bulb you hold the squeezing bulb in your hand and you put on the skirt you put on your garment um, which it could, it could be a dress or it could be a skirt but it has to kind of hang away from your body in a way that allows the chalk marker to blow a little bit of chalk right along your the hemline that you want for your garment. Now, if you have booty blessings like me, um, there's the skirt. If you don't do this, you know that your skirt will be kind of hiked up in the back where the back and the front of your skirt don't hang evenly because you got a booty and that booty is saying, hey, um, we need a little bit extra fabric back here. So if you if it's important to you that the front of your skirt and the back of your skirt is level. So so basically you stand there, you turn a little bit and you squeeze, turn a bit and squeeze, turn a bit and squeeze. And as you are turning a bit to do the squeeze, you get this little fine line of misted chalk that will then blow onto the base of your skirt. That gives you a straight line. Then when you remove the skirt and you lay out what your hem is going to look like, you can look at it and say, oh, I see my line is, you know, straight from the side seam to the front. And it's also straight from the side seam to the back, even though it doesn't look that way when it's laid out flat on your design table. And so it gives you an opportunity to put in a good hem that is even and straight and looks good for your body. And you can do that yourself 
with this chalk hem marker. And I'll put a link to this stuff in the show notes if you know, if people want to learn more information or to research it for themselves. But I definitely had to mention the hem marker because that I find that a really useful tool and it does help me to make sure that my skirts are even in the front and the back. Now that I've talked about how you can use this to hem your garment, let's back up a little bit and talk about how you can use chalk in both its solid and powdered forms to construct your garments. It becomes important for fabrics that are nice and sturdy um, or even for fabrics that might be very difficult to mark that chalk can be a really good way to do this. I found most success of of, uh, marking with chalk on fabrics that are cotton-based, wovens, um, but I've also had success of using these using chalk on even my um, interlock my ITY the interlocking yarn knit fabrics. That's another great place that I've used them. Essentially, when I go to make my garments and I go to do some markings, I tend to have three pens with me at all times because I tend to sew with a lot of bright colored fabrics. Um, sometimes I'll need to have a white, for example, because I can't see the colors on anything else. Similarly, if I'm working with something that's light or even if it's dappled, it has light parts and dark parts, you'll still need to have two different marking things with you so that you can, just in case your, your dart or your notch or your circle um, appears on a part of the fabric that is not legible, you'll want to be able to make sure that your marks are always legible. Not too legible because you want them to erase as well, but you don't want to like put something down and then you um, can't see it when it comes time to sew your buttonhole, for example. So that's why I think it's really important to have a variety of tools in your tool belt. And for me, chalk is an important part of that. And I use chalks in all kinds of different colors. But I wanted to start with talking a bit about the chocolate liner because, and that's something we're going to have a nice, well, not nice, a kind of a sad story um, of an epic battle between um, blue charcoal liner versus white linen. Um, And we'll think about who won in that battle. It's a story from Naomi that she was generous enough to share, uh, Naomi P. Johnson. And um, she's, you know, a, a good friend and a charter member of Black Women's Stitch. And she was talking about um, a, a story about this garment that she loved, and I will let her tell it in her own words um, later on in the program. But just think about you want it to you want it you want it to be visible, but you don't want it to be visible forever. And so for me, the charcoal liner was one of the first things that I'd use. Now the way that the charcoal liner works is that it's uh, it's uh, it's like a triangular. It's not. It's like a, it looks like a a clear cartridge that you can fill with chalk powder. It has a wheel, and when you roll it along, the, a small amount of the chalk gets discharged from the tank onto the wheel and transfers onto your fabric. So if you imagine this as um, a pen, for example, a P-E-N pen, for example, and you know how you when you write 
with a pen. There's ink in the cartridge of the pen, and as you're writing, it gets discharged to the nib, and the nib is what you use to inscribe on your paper. It's pretty much the same thing with the Choco liner, except that a Choco liner is um, tall. Well, it's not as tall, so I maybe mine, the ones that I have are about three or four inches, and um, it's about maybe one inch across in diameter. And so that's something that, or maybe a little bit smaller. I'm trying to like visualize um, what the, my chocolate liners look like. But the, the purpose is that you can have this fabric, this, this, you can have your fabric beneath the wheel of the chocolate liner and it transfers marks. It can transfer darts. You can use it to transfer anything you want. But the purpose is that you can see it, but then when you're ready for it to go, it can brush away very easily. And that is another form of a, um, not a powder-based chalk that you can use in your sewing. When we trans when we transition to think about what solid forms of chalk are, um, I think that that puts us in really interesting and exciting territory. Um, exciting to me because I am a sewing nerd, so I love notions. I love all these little tools. I love also I also love stationary pens, pencils, back to school shopping to buy new pens, pencils, papers, notebooks, and so the idea that I could have pens and pencils that are so and chalk that are all associated with sewing just does my little sewing nerd heart quite good. Um, but one of the things that I've started using lately is um, a bowhead. I think I'm going to start with the beginning of going from the finest to the thickest. So one of the finest, and by finest, I mean very kind of lean, small, with um, a low millimeter count, is the bowhead pen. Um, it looks like a pen, and the way that it works is just like a pencil or a pen. It's almost like the one that I have is the Bohem Mechanical Extra Fine. And this is a chalk lead that looks a lot like a mechanical pencil lead that you can buy at the office supply store. And the reason that I like this is because it is so fine that you can um, see the mark you're making and you can do it in a way that's really precise. And I really like that about the Bohen um, pen. And it also has an eraser cap on the top. So you can like just use that type of friction to, um, to get rid of it. Similarly, Dritz makes one as well. And the one about the, the Dritz pen, the Dritz one is it allows for interchangeable leads. So if you have the Dritz, I haven't seen the Bohen have come in colors, any other color than white. And for me, it's useful to have other colors. So the Dritz, I think, comes in red, blue, and yellow, in addition to white, in terms of what colors you can use to change out the chalk leads for your, um, for your chalk pencils. Um, and then as we kind of move down the line, it goes from being, you know, I think Chocopel has a fine pencil um, of chalk and that's easy to brush away. But the thing I've absolutely used the most of, my very first experience with chalk was the Allery Chalk chalk cartridge set. And so an Allery is A-L-L-A-R-Y. Again, I don't, I'm not sponsoring or recommending these or endorsing these products. I'm just explaining to you my experience with them. I don't have any sponsorships or relationships with these brands. So I'm not like running ads for them or this is not meant to be an ad. This is meant to be um, an opportunity to think about how you can use and bring chalk into your sewing life if you want to. Um, 
And for me, these things have worked well. And so that's why I'm sharing them. So my Allery chalk cartridge set, I really like it. I've had it for years. Now, it comes with a pencil sharpener, apparently. And I lost that. I lost it so long ago. I don't know if I actually even got a pencil sharpener because I, it is so it is so long gone that it was like I never even had one. But one of the things I do like about it is that it comes in all the colors that I like. And that is, I think, a bit of an orange, purple, green, blue, red, and white. And the this is a great chalk pencil, but it is much, much thicker than the mechanical pencil that, that I was talking about earlier that's made by Dritz and made by, made by Boheme. Um, and the reason I like this one is because, again, for someone like me who sews with a lot of bright, bright colors, it's really really hard sometimes to see the markings that I've made. So I'm working with a fabric right now that is like black background, beautiful flowers, so many different components. And when I move my um, fabric or when I move my markings, for example, to set up the dart, um, I might cross a section of the fabric where the, where the marking tool matches the fabric itself, and I can't see it. And so I rarely have that problem when I'm using the thick, um, the thick Allery cartridge. And something I'm thinking about doing, and I just this idea just just occurred to me because maybe I'm just being extra lazy. I don't know. But I was like, gosh, you know, Lisa, that'd be nice. Instead of having just one pen that you kept the white in, um, you could have you could have two and so that you could tra- you can change that you don't have to worry about changing them right it's just that's a little bit raggedy because it is not at all hard to change the chalk out of your Allery uh, chart cartridge set all you do is push down the top where the eraser would be that doesn't come with an eraser but the top of the pen you push it down and when you do that the it, it um, the the chalk holder that lives inside the barrel of the cartridge opens up like a claw at the um, you know if you've been to one of those claw machines at like a Chuck E. Cheese or whatever, or if you remember the movie Toy Story and Toy Story 1, where they where they got trapped in the arcade and like the claw comes down, it opens like that. And then it clo- then the claw closes and that's what locks the cartridge inside the, um, that's what locks the chalk cartridge inside the barrel of the pen. And so it's very easy to change. It takes like two seconds, but... I kind of want those two seconds back. So maybe I will just go ahead and buy myself another another uh, pen cartridge so I can have one for colors and one for white. But no, that's just silly. I don't need to do that. I need to just change it out and stop, you know, because otherwise you could say, well, you should have a cartridge pen for every different color chalk that you have. And that would definitely be a silly thing. I certainly don't need that. So one of the things I just want us to kind of keep in mind as we're thinking about apparel sewing and working with chalk is, again, placement of your marks. You really want to be careful about where you're placing your marks. You want to, in my opinion, you want to put them on the seam allowance, um, within the seam allowance. So just in case they don't come out, you don't have to worry about it. So say, for example, if I wanted to mark um, pockets for... um, a garment that I was making and it was patch pockets that went on the outside. What I would do is I would put down um, the, I would, I would lay my fabric together, right sides together. I would poke a hole. It would not poke a hole. I would use a pen to, um, 
I would I would use a pen to pierce through the top layer of fabric and the bottom layer of fabric, right? So that both layers of fabric are now kind of um, impaled on this pen, right? This P-I-N pen. And when I opened it up, I keep the pen in place. Then I mark with the chalk. The reason I do it this way is that this allows me to put a chalk mark on the t- on both pieces of the fabric at the same time. And when I mark pockets, I kind of tr- I try to put the dots that they ask you to put within the line of the pocket. So I mean, let me just explain. So if you imagine a pocket as a U, a U shape, a, a very blocky U with two right angles at the bottom. When I get to the right angles at the bottom, rather than putting them where the pattern tells me to put the mark, I'll put it a little bit to the inside of that pocket. And the reason I do that is so that if I manage to get the pocket on and it's on perfect, which it should be because I've marked the top to bottom, I've marked the left and right pieces at the same time, so I know it's going to be parallel If I get it on there and I look at my pocket, I don't want to see any of the chalk or if it doesn't come off, I don't want to see it, right? If it doesn't come off, the chalk then will be concealed within the inside of the pocket. And I can assure you that nobody, not even you, not even me when I make it, I can't speak for everybody, but for myself, I can't imagine a situation where someone is going to want to look down inside your pocket to see if they can tell what your marks are. I mean, I feel like that invasion of privacy is pretty next level. And so um, I think I really feel like if you have someone approaching you, want to look inside your pocket to check your markings, that seems like good grounds for a throat punch because that's way too close. It's none of their business. And weird. It's just a strange thing to want to see. But it does allow you to get perfect placement and to use the chalk and to remove it. And if it doesn't remove, it's okay because, um, you know, it's hidden. And that's something that I, um, I really do enjoy doing. Before I transition to talk about how you can use chalk in your quilting, I wanted to talk a bit about the roles that solid chalk can play. We've talked about solid chalk in the pens, but this is another, I think this might even be some of the first chalks that appeared on the market for um, tailoring, sewing, um, and working with apparel. And these are those, um, the the chalk that you can find that's shaped like round cornered triangles. They have lots of different names. Um, I found them, well, one of the ones that I've seen that I have is called triangle clay, um, a triangle clay tailor's chalk. Um, similarly, there There's another form of um, Taylor's chalk that's more like a square that might be kind of like maybe two inches across and one and a half inch tall, and it's kind of rounded. Um, These are wax chalks, and these are also things that disappear. Some of them disappear with heat. Um, I see that Wawak has a wax chalk that disappears with heat. It it only seems to be offered in white. Um, And the other Taylor's chalks that I've used, I've I've not used a chalk that removes with heat. So that's something I'm actually interested in now. Maybe getting a, um, a couple of those just to see the, of a heat disappearing one. I tend to like things that disappear with heat, but those can also be pretty sad when you've done all your markings and then you go to press your seams to make sure that they're good and you erase the marking that you needed for the next step. So that's no good. But um, when you want it to be gone, that's 
something you also want. But the ones that I've used are the Triangles Clay Taylor's Chalk and the Gems Clay Taylor's Chalk. And both of those disappear with brushing. And again, I found that those work best on woven fabrics. Um, though I do sometimes use them on the on ITY knits, which I use a lot, or cotton lycra. But if I'm unsure, I always test. If I know if I can't get it off, I try to put it somewhere where I won't be able to see it again. Similarly, I found that there's wax chalks that are super glide. There's wax chalk that disappear. There's wax, cho- wax chalks that um, are what they call a hidden glow that you can't really see them in um, regular light. But when you put on a black light, it'll show up. I personally don't have a black light, so that wouldn't be super useful to me, but I can imagine it'd be super useful for someone else. Um, There's also, I think it's also useful um, in addition to talking about the woven fabrics and ITY fabrics, that chalk marks are also good for working with leather. And there's other materials that you know you're not going to be able to heat, for example. So when I made a raincoat um, using laminated cotton, one of the things that was a challenge for that project was that I could not apply heat to it. Um, you can't press open your seams. In addition to like working with leather and working with laminated cottons, whatever hole you make, whatever you sew, whatever seam you sew, when you go to unsew it, those those stitches will still be there. If not the stitches, um, not the thread won't be there, but the little holes will be there. Um, it'll give you a reminder of what you've done. And the same is true for working with some chalks um, that they, they don't come away very easily. Um, so do think about that as you are making your decision. So we're going to take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how chalk shows up for quilting. And then we will share our special story. Um, thanks so much and um, stay Stay tuned. We'll be back in a bit. The Stitch Please podcast is really growing. Um, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and ask a favor. If you are listening to this podcast on a medium that allows you to rate it or review it, for example, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do so. If you're enjoying the podcast, if you could drop me a five-star rating, if you um, have something to say about the podcast um, and you wanted to include that, a couple sentences in the review box of Apple makes a really big difference in how the podcast is evaluated by Apple, how it becomes more visible. It really is a way to kind of lean into the algorithm that helps to rank podcasts. Um, So if you had time to do that, to drop a little line in the review feature of the podcast, that would be really appreciated and would help us to grow even further and faster. back to the Stitch Please podcast, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We are talking today about marking tools and our focus is chalk. And I talked in the previous segment about how chalk works for apparel sewing. I think it also can work for craft sewing in the same way. And I wanted to transition to think about quilting. And the reason I'm concentrating on quilting here is because that was where I first started using chalk in the loose form, as well as found some great benefits for it 
in the powder form. I mean, the solid form. So for quilt, for apparel, you know, you want to try to hide where your marks are. You want to use the marks as a reference. You, they're going to help you construct the thing that you are building, the, the garment that you are making. In quilting, after you've pieced your quilt together and you've created the quilt sandwich, which is the top, your batting and your quilt backing, you've got it all pinned or you've got it basted, hand basted or pin basted, you want to do the actual work of quilting. And if you are not going to do it in a free motion way, which is where you just kind of quilt in a more organic way, you're trying to fill with a stipple pattern or something like that, if you want to do a straight line quilt design, you want to mark what those lines are. Um, especially if you want it to be very architectural and you want it to, at least some, those are, this is my interpretation of how my I, how I approach my quilt designs. If I want it to have an echo effect or a ripple effect, you can trace, you know, when one line follows another line. If you are doing something like an all over design, you'll want to kind of follow that design. And having a quilt pattern be visible on the top of your quilt sandwich is really important for that. For me, I need a line to follow. And a quilt, a quilt pattern or a quilt design and transferring that is really important. So one of the things that I've done is that you can purchase a stencil um, from a quilt shop or from anywhere that's, a, a you know, that well, how mostly I get, I've gotten them from, from quilt shops. They also sell them at um, regular um you know, large fabric stores like, you know, Joann's and other places. But the reason that you buy that stencil is so that you can transfer your quilt pattern to the top of your quilt. That means you want to be able to see it, but you don't want it to be there forever. And so what I've used is something called a pounce. And imagine like, um, I'm trying to find a good analogy. So imagine like a little teeny tiny pillowcase. And instead of a pillow, it is full of powder, chalk powder. And what you do is you take that little tiny pillowcase and I'm thinking like teeny tiny baby doll house size pillowcase. Like I think the pounce that I have is a, um, it might be the pounce that I have. Well, there's two ways that I've done it. One, you can have an actual bag, like a, a bag that is like the, the pillowcase and you put the chalk in it and you tap it right along your, the top of your stencil. And then when the chalk sifts out of that little pillowcase, it floats down on top of the stencil. The part of the stencil that's solid does not get it does not transfer any chalk to your fabric, but the part that's open, of course, because it's a stencil, that's what remains. I also had this really cool thing that's called a. I think it it's also called a pounce, but it looks more like an eraser, like an old school, old fashioned eraser where you write chalk on the board and you would erase it. This one is really cool because it has um, it's all nicely contained. And it looks kind of like a travel plastic soap dish. And on the bottom, it um, is textured almost like a sponge or almost like a, I guess like an eraser. And then in the back, there's a hole that you can open up. You can pour your chalk powder inside this little um, rectangle shape. You put the lid back on and inside that's where your chalk lives. And let me tell you, I love that pounce thing because rather than getting chalk all over your hands, 
You don't have to worry about it because all of it lives really nicely in that little pounce shape device. This is useful because what you're going to do is you're going to pounce and tap up and down all around that stencil. And when you lift that stencil off, you have a nice chalk outline of the path you need to travel in order to do your quilt design. And so that's something that I've had good success with. In addition, I've also, I also have used the solid chalk stuff for, um, actually one of the, I use the solid and I use the powder when I started doing something that's called quilting with rulers. Now quilting with rulers is something that people who do a lot of long arm quilting have known about for many, many years. Um, It seems to me that this is a new um, intervention for um, small home machines, you know, that they sell, uh, basically they sell acrylic rulers that you can use to guide your free motion sewing, your free motion quilting. And it does these really beautiful designs. I'm going to look to see if maybe I can find one. I, I did, I did, I've done a couple classes and once I got over the terror of sewing with rulers, um, and the t- and I'm not usually a person. I, I know I try to be very encouraging to people, um, and it's usually women I hear say this, like, "Oh, I'm afraid to do blank in sewing." I, I hear there's a lot of fear in sewing overall, and. I think in making, in the maker community more generally, and I don't know if people are really actually physically or emotionally afraid or if they're just uncertain, but have you ever heard someone say something like, oh, I'm afraid to put on an invisible zipper or I'm afraid to, you know, make my own chocolate or because it involves a double boiler or I'm afraid to, I mean, it's always something that's like, I'm a, or like, I'm afraid to make my own bra, you know? And I'm like, what's there to be afraid of? I mean, it's not like you're, you know, learning how to juggle with fire, you know, and you drive a car, um, you know, a car is a pretty dangerous weapon. Um, and it, it's, it's, and people, you know, it's, that's a really big thing that if, you know, many people do drive and, Many people don't get in the car saying, oh my gosh, I'm really terrified to drive. And we, we've we learned to do it with practice and we learned to do it safely and we've learned to do it in a way that sometimes we don't even think about it, which can also be a problem when you're being distracted. But I don't have a lot of sewing fears, right? Maybe I should do an episode on sewing fears, find out what these people's sewing fears are and talk about them. But one of my fears is getting a needle, like a broken needle, like and where that might end up. And when you, you, when, and I've broken, of course, a thousand needles and none of them have ended up in my actual eyeball, which is where I'm always afraid they're going to end up. But sewing with the acrylic rulers, because you are running your sewing machine needle alongside an acrylic ruler and you there's a special sewing machine foot that you can buy that protects you from getting a broken needle and all of that that was my main thing that I was really worried about but it does these really beautiful designs that you can do right in your own home machine and I really enjoyed that process and I made a couple of quilts a few summers ago that use that technique for the quilting but you needed to have some marks to follow so you can make sure you were moving in the right direction. The way that quilting with quilting with rulers worked for me was similar to how the spirograph works. I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with the spirograph. It's um a a, a 
a, a process that involves um, an inner wheel and an outer wheel, and you put your pencil in one of the holes of the wheel, and you maybe I can figure out how to find like a demonstration or something of how to do it. Oh, or maybe I can make a demonstration of it and put it. Um, oh wait, I don't have a website, so I don't know where I will put it. I don't know. I could put it somewhere. Maybe a link. Maybe like a video or something. I don't know. Um, but Google Spirograph. And you can, they're a lot of fun. I actually, I really do enjoy them. I find them very relaxing. And to do them with a sewing machine and a needle and thread and a design on your fabric is lovely. And working with chalk helps make that happen by giving you targets to follow as you are doing that quilting process. And so that's another way that quilting um, uses chalk. And just just to get you to think as as we're moving forward, one thing about apparel, you don't want your chalk marks to show when you're finally done. The same is true for quilting. But one of the challenges is when you're marking a quilt, you have to mark it on the top public face of the quilt. As opposed to for apparel sewing, you do your markings on the inside of the garment or you do them with the intention that they will not be seen. And so just as we as you think about what chalk you might want to use and how it might show up and one of the great advantages of it, just kind of keep that in mind. I know I've had great success using chalk on marking my quilts and having it brush out with no problem. I've also had the problem where it brushed out too soon and I totally forgot what I was supposed to be sewing or quilting at the time and had to go back and remark, which was irritating. So you've got to find a balance. Um, and we're going to close this episode out with a story of a choco liner versus a white linen outfit. And we'll be back with that story. Just give me one sec. Naomi was gracious enough to share with us a cautionary tale. Um, I'm going to be corny and call it a chalk, a chalkinary, chalk, cautionary, chalkinary, chalkinary tale um, about her experience with working with a choco liner or working with chalk and a linen fabric. So here is what Naomi had to say. Hi, Lisa. It's Naomi. This is the story of how I ruined precious white linen with a blue choco liner. I was making a much desired white linen Cali shirt dress um, right after the pattern came out and I decided that I wanted it to be as perfect as I could make it so I was diligent about grain lines I was diligent about marking dots and clipping notches so that my shirt dress would come out perfectly because I was literally obsessed with that pattern. Um, I took a class at Three Little Birds a few years ago with Heather. Um, she was teaching the ginger jeans pattern. And one of the days of the um, the workshop, she wore the Cali dress and let us know that it was an upcoming pattern. And I stalked social media, website, email for months looking for that pattern. So I bought it immediately. And when the shirt dress came out, I checked the fabric requirements. I went to this um, little Vietnamese store in Falls Church, Virginia, and got the requisite amount of um, 
of white linen. And just before I went to cut my fabric, I stabbed myself with a pin and bled profusely. Luckily, I didn't bleed on my white linen. That led me to make a muslin of the pattern which was great because I made a few mistakes in the muslin and figured out how to fix them on the real deal. So when I went to cut out my real deal, I wanted to make sure that all of my marks and notches and everything were precise. So I used a blue choco liner marking, um, marking pen. I did not do the best job of brushing the chalk away when I sewed my shoulder seams and went to press them. And I pressed them with quite a bit of the blue chalk still um, in, my, in my garment and heat set it onto my white linen. Um, devastated does not begin to cover the the feelings that I had about ruining that linen. I bleached it repeatedly. I tried OxyClean. I tried um, Shout. I tried um, Zout. I tried everything I could find on the internet to get that blue... Um, that blue choco liner out of my white linen Cali shirt dress and nothing worked. My shirt dress is ruined. Um, I can probably use it for scraps or something, like cut it up and use it for something else. I don't even have the heart to do that. So it just hangs in my, um, in my, in my closet as a reminder to, thoroughly, thoroughly um, remove the chalk from the choco liner or to use a different marking tool on precious, precious fabric. Um, I bleached that thing so many times that um, I put um, a couple holes in it. That's how, that's how aggressively I bleached it, trying to, um, trying to get the, that, um, trying to get that blue mark off of it. Um, I removed the collar because that's where the holes were. Um, and eventually I may dye it, but it's been two or three years. And I just kind of keep it as a reminder to be really, really extremely careful with my marking tools because that one was really precious to me and I never got to wear it. The upside is because we are... Um, abiding stay-at-home orders, um, I can probably just buy some more white linen now and make another one. And so maybe that's what I'll do soon. Anyway, I hope that um, story helps somebody who's using choco liners. Oh, I did learn a tip just this week, like two days ago, from the um, a Grain Line Sew Along that... Um, the choco liners are actually really hard to remove and that they do become permanent. Um, so I feel a little bit less bad than I was feeling. Still, um, 
nothing feels as bad as ruining a garment that you were really looking forward to wearing as ruining it with something as easily fixable as using the right marketing tool. Um, Hope that's helpful to you. Talk to you later. Thank you, Naomi, for your willingness to share your cautionary chalk tale with us today. Um, You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast, and this episode has been about marking tools with attention paid to chalk. I hope it's been helpful to you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. You've been listening to the Stitch Please podcast the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you supporting us by listening to the podcast. If you'd like to reach out with, to us with questions, you can contact us at blackwomenstitch at gmail.com. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do that by supporting us on Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and you can find Black Women Stitch there in the Patreon directory. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help support the project with things like editing, transcripts and other things to strengthen the podcast and finally if financial support is not something you can do right now you can really really help the podcast by rating it and reviewing it anywhere you listen to podcasts that allows you to review them so i know that not all podcast um, directories or services allow for reviews but for those who do for those that have like a star rating or just ask for a few comments if you could share those comments and say nice things about us at the stitch please podcast that is incredibly helpful thank you so much come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together